2: This is the Cork Today replay on C103.
3: Good morning to you on what is a beautiful bright sunny morning with the forecast telling us it's going to be the same for tomorrow for St. Patrick's Day which is certainly good news for so many people who just can't wait to get back out with particularly with family to go along and to enjoy the many many parades that are going to be held across Cork City and County and please go out if you can and support the parades because a lot of work and a lot of effort goes into putting on these parades and staging them and a lot of volunteers are involved and so many groups and organisations put so much work into floats and organising children to walk in St Patrick's Day parades and they're just it's a lovely lovely festive atmosphere and especially with the weather forecast that we're expecting tomorrow I mean we could see temperatures up to 14 degrees tomorrow but it looks like nice sunshine for the parade so if you're, in, if you're involved in one of the parades uh, good luck because the day before particularly if you're putting a float together can always be a bit nerve wracking to make sure that everything is going according to plan. Actually, later on in the programme, Mairead Tuig, um, our news reporter, we sent her out to chat with some of the people who will be involved in parades tomorrow. So we'll hear, a, we'll have a little report from Mairead uh, later on. And just on St. Patrick's Day, can I say a thank you to Hannah from Kildare? That's the only information uh, I have. Hannah has sent on one of those lovely St. Patrick's Day cards that were available through on um, post. And it's one of the virtual hugs from little Adam and his little drawing of his heart with uh, Cade Mila hugs on it. Happy St. Patrick's Day. And it was just such a perfect collaboration between Adam and his uh, hugs and on post. And actually, I met Adam, little Adam King and his dad and the rest of his family at the Pride of Cork Awards because Adam picked up a Pride of Cork Award last Friday. And actually, I was talking to his dad about these cards and he even said, you know, it was just a no brainer it was just a perfect combination to hook Adam and his hugs a hug for you one of the little cards with on it was brilliant and of course what on did was you could go in and get up, pick up one of these cards and then you just had to pop a stamp on it a 125 euro stamp on it and then a portion of all of the proceeds from the po- from the postage would be going to the Children's Hospital Foundation and the Cork University Hospital Charity so there's a charity aspect to it as well and Hans in Kildall, picked up one of these cards and decided to send it to me which I really really am thankful for so happy St. Patrick's Day to you Hannah and thank you for I think they're just gorgeous gorgeous uh, cards and we've received quite a few of them actually here into the radio station I know um, Anthony Pickford, who is one of our very dedicated listeners who listens to us in Limerick. I think everybody in, in the building at some stage over the last week or so have received one of these cards from Anthony. So thank you to Anthony as well. And it, just, it's just a nice kind thing to do. And actually on kindness, here's something that we came across during the week that sort of made me smile. It's to do with being kind to others. And by being kind to others, it actually makes you feel happy yourself. In yourself, doing something kind, there's a, there's a, a, a kind of a uh, there's a pushback to the person who's doing the act of kindness. It was a major, it was one of the major findings of the largest ever study on kindness. It was the University of Sussex and the BBC and they examined the attitudes of 60,000 people. Now, it wasn't just in the UK. They went across 144 different countries asking them, asking people about their thoughts on kindness. And that's what came out that being kind to others makes us feel happier in ourselves. They found that all aspects of kindness are more likely to be reported by women While two thirds of people believe that the COVID pandemic has made people kinder. So that's not a bad thing. We're always trying to look at positives coming out of uh, COVID, and I know I always get a great thrill and a great kick out of when somebody contacts us here on the program to recognize. they usually, it's usually a random act of kindness, or kindness on behalf of a complete stranger. Like somebody coming to somebody's. There was one recently. Somebody had a flat tire and wasn't able to change the tire, and there was two men just jumped in, sorted it out. She didn't even get their names, and I just love when people do something like that. Just do a really, really random. Act of kindness and then for others to acknowledge it, I think is lovely as well. So be kind, I think is what the message is. And if you can try and be kind to somebody, there's a positive spin back to you as well. 0818 103 103. Board Gosh, what shocking news came out from Board Gosh yesterday with their announcement that their customers, and they have a lot of customers, about 700,000 customers, almost two quarters of a million uh, people get their gas or electricity from Board Gosh and yesterday they uh, announced that there, there, there is an annual price hike of up to 775 euro per year kicking in from next month. The breakdown of that is if you get your gas from Board Gosh, you can expect it to go up by 390 euro a year and the electricity increase from Board Gosh 385 uh, euro. Customers were informed the average gas bill goes up by 39%. It's just unreal to think of anything going up by 39%. Their electricity prices are going to go up by 27% and these increases kick in from mid-April and of course a lot of the industry experts are now saying that gosh have got the ball rolling here so the others will follow suit in the next few uh, weeks and the latest hikes come after what's been a really really painful 18 months where the average cost of heating and powering homes has risen they reckon on average we're paying about €1,000 more For many households over the last 18 months, the price rises obviously when they kick in from mid-April are going to absolutely swallow up the 200 euro electricity rebate scheme because that's kicking into all households that's coming in from April the Taoiseach Mihol Martin has admitted that the government will not be able to shield citizens entirely from the shock of soaring energy costs saying the country is paying the price for the illegal and immoral war that's been waged by Russia and the Ukraine and actually later on in the programme we've invited Dara Cassidy he's head of communications at the price comparison website at bonkers.ie and he's an, an industry expert we invited him onto the programme because he says the move from Gáis was sadly unsurprising but the scale and the size of the increases I really am interested in, in, in speaking with Dara about that because to me they certainly do seem to be unprecedented now Gáis Energy they were out yesterday you know saying look sorry about this and they blamed the price rises on persistently high demand on gas worldwide reduced supplies, low storage volumes, geopolitical issues and late winter conditions. So it's kind of they're saying it was like a perfect storm. All of these things lined up together. Older persons charity alone. They said the government needs to introduce a pandemic like response to alleviate the rising cost of living to help those in greatest need. Now, alone made the point for older people, heating is most important for our elderly people to help manage chronic health conditions and how some people are having to weigh up their choices now between heating and eating. And he said no one. This is Sean Moynihan, the loan chief executive. He said no one should have to make those uh, choices. The charity called for immediate measures. They're saying there should be a widening of the eligibility criteria for the fuel allowance. They also say that the government introduced some kind of a temporary means test it basic food allowance they're saying older people are going hungry because they're using the money to pay electricity or a gas bill instead and they're looking for this a means tested basic food allowance they're saying of, a, of about €25 Euro a week but it really is the older people are the ones on the fixed income now it's not just older people that are on fixed income you can have younger people you can have families on a fixed income with little wiggle room it's you know for for other people who are w- w- working and getting well paid or people who might have savings they'll bemoan the fact that their gas or electricity bill has gone up but they'll have the money to pay whatever the extra increases will be from April but it's families that are um, and older people and householders that live on a very strict budget they have a fixed income same amount comes into the household every week and every month there's a little bit put away for this a little bit put away for that and there's nothing left when everything is set aside for the heating for the electricity for the other utility bills that come into the house and then the food and of course as we've we've time and time again we've done interviews the only way for a lot of families the only thing that they can save on is food and now we're we're looking at older people will be faced with that once again of saying do I pay do I put the heating on do I pay for food and I heard uh, an elderly man from Kerry yesterday talking about talking about this issue and talking about the heating costs in particular and the cost of oil for oil for central heating you know saying that himself and his wife now they have the heating on for a half an hour in the morning and they might have it on for maybe an hour later on in the day, and then failing that, they have an extra duvet on the bed, they're back using hot water bottles, they're back using extra layers of uh, clothes, and that's what people are doing to try to cut down on their heating bills. But the one thing about the, this this particular increase from board Gauche, they The increase is also going to apply to the standing charge, which I can't really understand why they're putting an increase on the standing charge. So it means that even if people decide to cut back on their electricity and their gas use, that even if they reduce their usage to zero, the standing charges will still be there. So they'll still end up uh, paying more. And I saw the energy, the transport and uh, not energy, uh, the environment, the environment minister, Eamon Ryan uh, saying the government was aware of the price hike uh, coming, uh, but they said we can't cover every single cost increase. And Eamon Ryan says the most important measure is to try and help reduce our use on these fuels. And that's all very well saying we need to reduce, you know, our use of gas and oil and coal and go green and it is all you know live the alternative way but that's all but that's something that's coming or that's something that will be in the future but what happens now where we've had some really really cold weather over the last couple of weeks you know how how do you say to somebody uh, reduce your use of the fuels if people don't have the money to go and and look at a green alternative so and Michael Kilcoyne of the Consumer Association of Ireland he believes that other providers now are going to follow suit and it'll be in the next next few weeks, he's also calling on the government they need to intervene. He's shocked by the scale of it. He's also shocked that he feels the government isn't doing anything about it. And Michael Kilcoyne of the Consumers Association pointed out the 13.5% VAT which is applied to every single euro of increase that we get from all of our, our, our utilities. Now the government will straight away say look they need EU approval in order to cut the VAT and by the way, the Irish government are currently seeking that and the European Commission is due to report back on any possible reductions to VAT or any other measures to cut cut prices by the end of the month. But even if they report back by the end of the month, it'll be late into May then before that would lead to any proposals, before anybody would see any kind of a reduction. But I think if you know we are worldwide going through this crisis with oil and gas and coal and fuel being high... Governments need to do something, and the obvious one to try to help everybody is to reduce the amount of VAT because paying 13. 0.5% 0.5% on every single euro that we pay out on our utilities is really adding to our fuel bills. The rise in energy costs, the first now just announced by Board Bordgosh uh, Energy Pattern from Moyes said, we understand that we all have these increases in gas and electricity, but why are they putting the same increases, what is it, 39 Percent extra on gas, 27% extra on electricity for board gosh. Why are they also applying those increases to the standing charge? Pat, if I can't understand that. Surely that's nothing to do with the price of gas. The standing charge increase is wrong. I, Pat feels it's a sneaky increase. We'll see if we can find out later when we're going to talk about it. Can we find out why the standing charge would also go up by the same amount? And Ben uh, says he is taking umbrage with what the Environment Minister, Eamon Ryan, says. That where he said the most important measure is to try and help reduce the, our use on these fuels. Uh, ben says what Eamon Ryan is forgetting is that many older people have a real reliance on fossil fuels and many of those... Cannot afford to make the switch away away from them, uh, Ben also says many older people live in poorly insulated homes, so they pay even more on their fuel bills every week and He also points out that not all of them receive a fuel allowance. and I was looking at that yesterday when bored gosh. Made the announcement, and I was just looking in looking into how it was going to affect older older people and I was surprised actually to hear there's only about a third of old age pensioners receive the fuel allowance because of course the fuel allowance is means tested. I know they changed the means testing to try to broaden it and, and bring more people into it but there's only a third of older people, so it isn't right to say all older people receive the fuel allowance because this for those that do receive the fuel allowance though a reminder that if you're picking up uh, pensions today because it's in post offices today Wednesday normal people who normally get paid on Thursday or Friday can get paid from today or it'll go into people's bank accounts from today. The extra 125, that's the additional 125 that the government announced because of the rising cost in all fuels that gets paid out today. But as I say, it's only a third of older people actually received that fuel allowance. 0818 103 103. John Paul takes your calls.
2: Court Today on C103.
0: With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie.
3: Now, while the world is watching on in horror at what is unfolding in Ukraine now, three weeks since the Russian invasion, everyone is praising the resilience and the bravery of the Ukrainian people. Living amongst them is one of our own Bantry native, Eugene O'Sullivan, who lives with his family in Dekanka in Ukraine. And Eugene joins me uh, this morning. Good morning, or it's good afternoon, I think, at this stage to you, Eugene. How are you doing?
4: Good morning to you, Patricia. Um, All okay here so far as I speak to you.
3: Can you describe what everyday life is like for you and has been over the last week or so?
4: Everyday life is you cannot make any plans whatsoever. Um, You're always in a situation where you must be ready just to grab your case, have all your documents, your passport, etc., all your details. And you may have to go with just a split second.
3: That's a, that's a, that's a tough way uh, to live. Has there been any uh, bombing or shelling in your area? No, not, not
4: yet. We have had air raid sirens now go off a good few times. We spent uh, two parts of a night uh, down in the basement just in case because when these air raid sirens go off, that's a warning that there's a possibility of incoming missiles can come into your area. Anyway, they haven't landed in this area, but you just can't take that chance.
3: And do you have a bunker?
4: Yeah, we have a a basement underneath the building here where where we can go underneath. Not just me, other people as well, we all go in there.
3: And you just, what, sit there and wait for the siren to get the all clear, is it?
4: You just wait maybe it could be two hours, could be three hours, and when you get the all cleared in you can you can come out out of it. And but, that, uh that sorry, yeah.
3: That's in the middle of the
4: night. That's in the middle of the night. That can go off at any time. It can go off while I'm talking to you here.
3: And what what are conditions like in
4: the bunker? Well, just like anywhere, it's a bit like uh, somebody who would be going underneath the stairs in a two story house uh you just take in a flashlight there and you just you just lie down there or stand up, whatever you want to do. But you try and keep as quiet as possible so that you can hear everything that's happening outside, if if, if you can hear.
3: And then what about day-to-day living in, going to the shops, getting supplies at the shop? Are, are you managing to get everything you need?
4: We are okay so far, but... Some bigger cities are out of food, or if they're not out of food, the shelves are very poorly stocked because the supplies cannot get into them, cannot get into the shops. The deliveries can't be made.
3: But not where you are, it's okay. So far,
4: we, we're okay. But as I say, it can change. It's like, look, this morning in a city, a good bit south of us, but two and a half hours drive from here, they've started shelling a city called Zaporozhia. Now, that city hasn't been attacked until now. And they're just like us here. Uh, You're going to see a big wave of uh, refugees now will have to leave from that area and and head west.
3: And have you seen refugees move to your area? Yes,
4: people from east of me in a city called Harkov and Sumi, a lot of people, stranger people from these areas have moved in here for protection because this area hasn't been shelled. But if this area is shelled, those people will have to get out of here and move on to somewhere else or try and move outside the country.
3: Yeah, I've, I've watched that on the news. I've seen people move from one area and then they move and they might be a, a week, a couple of days in another place. That starts getting shelled and they're they're on the move again.
4: Yeah. And another thing here in this area, we have to... Um, at 7 o'clock in the evening, there's a curfew. Nobody is allowed on the streets. Uh, the lights go off. Street lights, all lights must be off everywhere, even in your apartment building. You are allowed to have a laptop or a flashlight, with no no lights on. As regards your normal lighting, that you would have, like what you would have in Ireland.
3: Yeah, because it's it's kind of back to World War Two, and they start blackout curtains, and it's to, it's for the planes yep. going overhead so that they can not see areas that are uh, uh, built up. Eugene, and I know we spoke with you in the first week of this uh, war, which like is only two weeks ago. It's only like it's three weeks now. It's It seems like it's been going on for forever. And that's just us watching it uh, from afar. And you were adamant that you were going to stay. Have, have you changed your mind in any way about packing up your little family and just coming back to Cork?
4: It's not so easy, Patricia, just to pack up and leave. You have to pack up and leave when the bomb starts dropping.
3: You won't go before that?
4: No, because it's not easy. My wife has to look after her mother, who's an invalid, so you just can't just walk off and leave a, a person like that behind who who's not able to travel. Yeah,
3: it's really difficult. It just is really difficult. But you have everything ready. You say passports, bags packed. Yeah, yeah,
4: you have, you have all the emergency stuff that you need ready to go. You just grab it. Even when you're going down the basement, you take it with you. Because in case the apartment gets bombed while you are while you are down there, you may not be able to get back into
3: it. We're watching, obviously, what's unfolding on our TV screens and our news bulletins on, on social media. And we're finding it hard uh, to watch. I have to say, Eugene, how difficult is it for you living there when you're seeing, obviously, parts of the country that you would know really well, cities that you would know really well, perhaps you've visited in the past, What's it like watching what's happening to what is, looks like an absolutely beautiful country?
4: It is, and especially Kiev. I was there in December just last, and I was when I was walking there, I was even admiring the buildings, admiring the architecture, admiring the, the, the city in general. I mean, when you compare to Dublin, now Dublin has its own uh, features as well, and every city has its own features, but it's so far advanced compared to Dublin. But the underground, the the, the the rail system that they have is, is unbelievable here, but that's that's just this. It's hard to believe that you see such a beautiful city going to be destroyed, and the same with the city that's east of Kharkov as well. Uh, it's in ruins.
3: It's going to be hard to rebuild them all, isn't it? Uh,
4: it'll take years. It'll never be right. It'll take. It's a bit like World War Two when you when you look at what happened to a lot of Europe. It will take decades to to rebuild
3: everything. Yeah. Uh, And um, hearing this morning Russia saying there that parts of a possible peace deal with Ukraine are are close to being agreed. And I think this in particular is to do with President Zelensky saying we won't join NATO. So obviously the neutrality issue is being discussed. Do you take hope from that? Well,
4: you take hope everything and you hope that uh, talks will continue and it will lead to a ceasefire. But it's actually when the bombs start dropping and uh, the shells uh, that are being fired on buildings and people are not getting killed, that's the the main thing that that all this kind of uh, uh, actually stops from what's happening. I mean, you see the thousands of people that have been killed.
3: Do you think Ukrainian people are going to find it very hard to forgive Russia after this?
4: No, how, how could you forgive anybody after that? Would you forgive somebody who bombed your house to bits? Bombed your city? You couldn't.
3: And in, in a little while, I'm, I'm going to be speaking with a campaign that has been set up to try to cold call people in Russia to let them know what's happening. Because from what we're hearing, the majority of Russian people don't realise what is going on in Ukraine.
4: Um, Yes, that is what we're told by the Western media, but I would believe it as well, because just take a look at a a tank commander or a Russian soldier on charge of a tank, and he's going to fire on a building where there's civilians inside. You must ask yourself, who who in their right mind would fire into a building where there's Civilian people inside. You must be badly brainwashed or something
3: to do such a thing. Yeah, the bombing of the maternity and children's hospital in Mariupol, and the Russians claiming that it wasn't a maternity hospital, it wasn't a children's hospital, it was being used to house soldiers, and that was just a complete lie.
4: Yeah, you you, you can't believe uh, what they'll tell you. You understand? You, one one lot will tell you one thing, another lot will tell you the, another thing. What I believe is what I see in the TV pictures, yeah, yeah, that is reality,,
3: yeah, we saw that pregnant woman being carried out on a stretcher, and unfortunately her and her baby uh, didn't didn't make it. oh uh, okay, and uh, yeah. it is it, it, it's a rural area isn't it Eugene, where you are it's pretty rural, there's a population
4: of about eight thousand people here
3: are there it's a, a lot of village here are there a lot of farmers, are farmers doing their work yeah it's
4: a, There would be a lot of farming in the outside area but at this time of the year there's no farming going on because spring hasn't come. Spring won't be here until April. Usually all the planting is done in the month of April and May here.
3: right. yeah, because obviously people are worried about shortages going going forward because Ukraine is the breadbasket of Europe.
4: Yes, and I I would say to Irish farmers, and now that we have such uh, an extra amount of people have to come into the country, that it is vital that He'd grow more crops because if there's going to be no planting done here, it's going to have a serious knock-on effect.
3: And you obviously are following on on what's happening here. Are you proud of the Irish response, Eugene?
4: Oh yes, very very proud. Very disappointed with the UK government the way they're behaving. Not not the UK people. The UK government, especially especially Pretty Patel. Uh, the way the carry on is going on with the visas as you have seen it's absolutely disgraceful but the, the, uh, in fairness to the English people themselves they're, they're like myself they are, they're completely disappointed with what's going on no compassion whatsoever from from uh, the top in the government of the Tory
3: party Ok and just a text in saying would you please wish Eugene our, be- send be- Eugene our best wishes and to say we're praying that he stays safe and that's from Mike Russell uh, in Bantry?
4: Yes, I know Mike. I know Mike. And uh, Yeah, and I also want to say hi to John as well. He texts me there a lot, John Minahan just to say hi to him while
3: I'm on the air here. OK, well, a lot of people are thinking of you. Stay safe, uh, Eugene, you and your little family. And uh, we'll speak again. And uh, we are all hoping and praying um, that peace will come to that lovely country where you live and sooner rather than uh, later. And listen, happy St. Patrick's Day for tomorrow. I don't know if you're going to be able to acknowledge it in any way, but um, we, we're all thinking of you.
4: OK, we should. thank you very much. Look very after again. yourself. I, uh,
3: Hopefully everybody has a nice Patrick's day tomorrow. God bless. Take care. Bye bye. Uh, that is uh, Eugene Sullivan, a native of uh, Bantry, but now living in Dekanka in uh, Ukraine. God keep him uh, safe. 0818103103 103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp to 0862 103 103.
0: Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's as Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk they walk the walk. CMIG.ie.
3: Now so I came across a campaign that is appealing to, according to the last census, 21 Russian speakers living in Ireland to join an international campaign to cold call people in Russia to give them information about the war in Ukraine in an attempt to breach the wall of censorship which, of course, has been erected by the Russian leader, Vladimir Putin. One of the founders of the Call Russia campaign is Paulus Senuta, who is a Lithuanian living and working in Texas. And uh, Paulus joins me this morning. Good morning to you. Good morning. And, And thank you. I appreciate you after getting up very early to take our call this morning. Can you just explain to us how you came up with the idea for this Call Russia campaign?
5: Okay, so as Russia was um, cramping on a, on a independent media, we're cutting off uh, the social networks, uh, and uh, less and less uh, opportunities there were in Russia for people to uh, understand what is going on in Ukraine. Uh, my friend uh, who runs a media group, Thomas Volizakos, he called me and he said, Polis, I have this idea. It looks like everything is bad in Russia. But 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 the phone numbers of people are public on the internet. So why don't we go you know download them from there and and and, 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 and invite people to, to, to go around the skirt and, and directly call to each other. So so this is how it came about.
3: And how are you getting the Russian telephone numbers?
5: Yeah, so they are public, they're online. There's, there's, there's public phone books uh, online. We got just a bunch of IT people who 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 who've who got a hold of those phone numbers from internet but they are online. That is the irony of Russia, whereas everything bad phone numbers of people are online. Okay.
3: And and if I went onto the website yesterday, it's callrussia dot org. So the idea is huh. that a Russian speaker will log on to your website and then you give them a telephone number for them to call. That it's as simple as that, isn't it?
5: It is it is absolutely if you if you go from your desktop it generates you your phone number If you go from uh, uh, from um, uh, uh, from your phone if, uh, then uh, you call directly from your phone there's a bit of tech actually involved in there because like Russia is eleven time zones so you don't want to call them when people are sleeping so so we we got really cool IT people they've done this algorithm where uh, where they pick the, the number that is the daytime. So, you know, there's all kind of nuances to but it. But in essence, it's as simple as that.
3: <clears throat> and do you then give a script, a suggestion of how the person who's making the call from Ireland, how they open up the conversation?
5: Yeah, absolutely. So, conversation is not easy. It's super, super tough. Mm-hmm. Myself, I've spoken to a uh, to other volunteers doing calls. Uh, So uh, we we worked with a group of psychologists. Uh, So how do you speak? So first of all, strangers speaking to strangers, that's not easy already. But but when you're speaking to someone who's in an entirely different media space, for 20 years, been hearing a very different story. And uh, they're not like... uh, tabulous process where you can draw wh- wherever you want. They are uh, they have got an opinion, a point of view that's very very different to your point of view. So how do you speak to these people? It, it, it's, it's not easy. So, it, it, but I think we got really good scripts. Um, when I call, I use them. Uh, I spoke to every volunteer. I spoke to. They use it. Obviously, um, obviously, everyone goes a little bit. Uh, their way about it, but what I've heard from volunteers is this, this really working. You still can't speak to the people who think totally opposite to you, uh, but, but there's, you know, <clears throat> certain things that you should do, and these things are within the script.
3: And what reaction are the volunteers getting from the people that they're calling?
5: Yeah, so, um, um, the there are reactions, obviously, and every every uh, call is different. Uh, but we've got stats uh, from uh, uh, from uh, from the call, so people are invited to leave uh, the feedback. So the feedback is uh, that about fifty percent, a little bit less than fifty percent, calls go well, and a little bit more than fifty go 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 badly. But it's more like fifty-fifty. Uh, but it, you know, going like deeper deep than this, um there's, <clears throat> I would say there's two t- two types of major reactions you're getting. So, the, so the negative ones are um, people super angry. You call into uh, and they basically start yelling at you, and 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 the way they see you is like you're just another Western propaganda agent, because obviously, like every propaganda and Russian propaganda works in the way that they're telling. And, 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 and everyone else is lying to you. So they, they see you like an agent <clears throat> hired for propaganda and, and, and they yell at you. So that's about 50% of the You still can uh, uh, turn the, the, those talks around and uh, and I've been successful myself with a couple of these. But that is a basic thing. Interestingly, they yell at you. Uh, they not necessarily want to hang up the phone. They want to yell at you. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the, 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 the other one is uh, there's the, the, the something that we classify as positive talk. So uh, these, these are very different, and I've heard very different stories depending on the volunteer. I found that people who are who are not Russian-speaking, like I'm Russian-speaking, but who are Russian, <coughs> especially if, if they haven't have immigrated not too long ago. More successful basically on calls rather than than people who are just russian speakers and I think the key to it is because like people feel um they understand them better uh but um my personal experience the so, so majority of, of people um that i we classify that they, they talk with well so you you call them uh, they're polite they're nice uh speak with you uh at the moment they understand what this is all about they they shut up they're so afraid to speak so you you hear them listening and then of a, th- uh, of a call they would say <coughs> like goodbye but but but, they, but most of them wouldn't talk they 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 just share and the reason to is people are super afraid to say something there's you know there's a lot of rumors that there's every call is monitor is recorded. You know, you can get they, a lot they, of yeah, all
3: they have to live. They have to live in the country. What, Paulus? What did you make of the editor, the, that female editor, who went on live TV with her handmade sign saying that this is all propaganda and there's how bad the war is? No, she, 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 uh, uh, she she's a hero. You know,
5: yeah. so I'm going to, 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 I'm going to make calls uh, to later today in a couple of hours. I'm, I'm going to make new calls. I'm gonna try and speak about that well, uh, which yeah. people. Yeah. See, yeah, well, how, how do they see it? Do they see it as a genuine act, or it's just another Western propaganda thing? Uh, I'm, I'm very curious how they're going to see it.
3: Yeah, it will be, it will be interesting <laughs> to see. So, do you, do you believe the war will only stop from inside Russia?
5: Yeah, I, I, I truly believe it. I, I think the only uh, the only place where it can stop is only in Russia. So the problem is it's not like so we get I think a lot of that kind of a story around uh, the world that like this this madman uh Putin and then everyone's against it and um, and it's just they are kind of a passive because uh, you know they're afraid of him. But 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 the true story is that even though there's some people who are against it him, the majority of the population support him, strongly support him, and actively support him. So what's happening at the moment is that if you're against the war, you will be reported by your fellow citizens. It's not that the police are going to discover you. It's someone like your neighbor going to call into police and say, look, my neighbor, this and that, he is against. And they will draw a Z letter on your doors. <clears throat> so... I was speaking to some of uh, of people in Russia who are against the war, and, and they were saying, "Look, we are not afraid of police; we are afraid of our fellow citizens." So, uh, if we can, if we can swing that sentiment of the fellow citizens, so the reason fellow citizens support it is, is obviously is a long story for Afghanistan so and so forth. But the key to change that, in my opinion, and what I find uh, effective, is. Uh, is to speak about the human catastrophe going in in, in Ukraine, which they are not aware Yeah,
3: and it's 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 to to get the story across. I mean, it's what happened after World War II. Many Germans were shocked when they discovered what was happening in concentration camps. I have to leave it there, uh, uh, Paulus. It's a brilliant campaign. Good luck to you with it. And thank you so much for talking to us on the programme this morning. Good morning to you. Thank you. Bye-bye, that is bye. Polis uh, Sanuta and it is callrussia.org if anyone listening to us today is a Russian speaker and would like to get part of that campaign. 0818 103 103 going to be a little bit late going to News at 11.
2: Cork Today on C103
0: With Sean Cusack Insurance's sale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group Want great advice? You know who to talk to. dot You're listening to Cork Today on Replay Phone and text lines are currently closed
3: your thoughts in. Firstly some people reacting to Eugene O'Sullivan who joined us in the last hour. A native of Bantry he's been living in Ukraine. We spoke to him the first week at the start of three weeks now since the Russian invasion and um, Anne is making the point, oh Patricia you could really hear the sadness and the helplessness in Eugene's voice. Um, I wish him all the best and I wish that we could all get out of this awful situation as soon as possible. This madman has got to be stopped ASAP. And that's from Anne. Thank you for that, Anne. And I I agree. Actually, I thought as well, I I could hear a a sadness in his voice that wasn't there the first week. He was, you know, there was almost, he was... I mean, he's still staying as positive as he can and trying to look after his little family and his mother-in-law who's an elderly woman and it's one of the reasons that they haven't left if it was he and his wife and his child they'd been, they could have been gone ages ago but the elderly mother-in-law is just not able for the travel and it's because of her that, that they're staying and I thought yeah there was a marked difference in his voice today to what went three weeks ago when we were first speaking to him so yeah we will keep him all in our thoughts and prayers and Mary says Eugene is a strong man we're thinking about him and uh, his family this war will come to an end yeah and please God that will happen and that will happen soon I can see some questions coming in for Peter keep those coming because Peter Dowdell uh, will join us on a lovely sunny day and with the weekend looking to be good as well I think a lot of people might spend some time in the garden so if you have a question for Peter you can get it in either to John Paul or text or whatsapp me at 08 six two one oh three one oh three. Patricia, will you say congratulations to Springford Hall House Hotel on their win at the Cork Business Awards on Saturday night. Well deserved congratulations to everyone in the beautiful Springford Hall. Morning Patricia Marie, we have a chest freezer, which could be up to 25 years old. We rarely use it. However, I've turned it on recently and I've noticed that it seems to be running constantly. Is this normal that the motor should be running constantly? Anybody in the know on chest uh, freezers should it be running all the time. The only thing I do remember about chest freezers, and this was years ago, doing one of these energy efficiency slots on the programme, and someone, the expert that we had on was talking about chest freezers and chest freezers are great and if you have a big family and you can fill it up and all of that and a lot of people it was around the time when people used were, got into the habit of buying either a whole lamb or um, half a cow and you know they'd have their meat nearly for the year and they'd stack it up in these uh, chest freezers and we were doing a piece on the energy efficiency of them and one of the tips I remember and it's kind of just stuck in my head if the freezer isn't full then fill it up and what do you, how do you fill it up? You could fill it up very simply. I remember at the time he, the gentleman was suggesting that you could get empty two litre bottles, you know, fizzy drink bottles, whatever, milk Cart, you know, your milk empty milk cartons and just fill them up with water and put them in. They turn to ice, obviously, but you could fill up the parts of your freezer that's empty. Another one, like, is a Ziploc bag, and you just fill it up with water and put it in. And of course, obviously, it stays frozen, so it's going to keep everything colder as well. That's just something that I do remember. But I don't know enough about chest freezers, Marie, to know is it normal that it's constantly running? So does anybody have a chest freezer? Can you let Marie know is there something wrong with the chest freezer? Bearing in mind that it was switched off and I'm wondering is it constantly running because it's just been switched back on and maybe it's not full. I don't know if if that's got anything to do with it or not. If anybody has advice for Marie uh, please get it into us 0818 and then Uh, somebody who signs themselves an Irish family living in North Cork. Patricia, I wonder could anybody tell me is it true that the council are going to build 500 houses for Ukrainian refugees. The reason I'm asking is I've all the pity in the world for what's happening to the Ukrainians, but what about me and my family? We're waiting to be rehoused because of two very, very serious issues and the council won't rehouse us. We've been approved for a transfer, but the councils don't seem to understand just how serious our problems are. We are an Irish family living in North Cork, is how the text is signed. Okay, there has been mention of modular homes these are the rapid build uh, accommodation which by the way there was a lot of criticism around the notion of modular homes being built to try to solve the housing crisis because they're the criticism I remember the last time we did an interview about them the criticism being that they're, they're their poor value for money in the long term. But modular houses has been mentioned Of the figure of 500. I haven't heard 500 be mentioned from the local council for sure. Maybe 500 was a figure that was put out nationwide where they'd be built all over the country. I mean obviously the Irish Red Cross are the ones who are looking after accommodation for the refugees it could be anything up to 100,000. We literally don't know how many refugees are, are going to uh, arrive. The numbers have started to pick up over the last week or so uh, for sure. And at the moment, hotels and B&Bs are, are being used and also people are obviously staying with uh, family members. But modular homes being built on state land and even Defence Force Defence Force facilities has also been mentioned. I saw in the paper today, I mean, they still are looking at maybe using community centres and almost setting up refugee centres. That's if the numbers arrive and there isn't enough accommodation. But modular homes, you're right, they have been mentioned. But I certainly haven't heard a figure for Cork of 500 of them being built uh, here. But it's something that's been looked at as a possibility for housing Refugees, but I, I listen, and if they do decide to go down the route of, of building modular homes for however, however long the, the Ukrainian refugees will be here, remember they 're war refugees they all just want to go home as quickly as they can. The one thing if they did decide to build modular homes would they then would be available, obviously to home Irish people after the crisis was averted but I'll keep an eye on it if we hear of any being been built and if there's certainly there's ones to be built uh, locally we can talk about that uh, as well. Thank you for your text to 0862 103 103. Also coming into us by phone to... John Paul. Okay. People reacting to what I did at the top of the program when I mentioned the increase in gas and electricity for Bord Gauche. And they mentioned these huge, huge increases yesterday. And people just taken aback at the size of the increase 39% increase on your average gas bill from the 15th of April. And for electricity bills, if you are a Bord Gauche customer, and remember there's 700,000 of them, so there will be a lot of them here in our area. they're just is going up by 27% from the 15th of April. Eta in Douglas says, and I had mentioned that the government were saying that they can't cushion everything and it was on the news I uh, heard it on the news again, the government saying that they're just not in a position to cover every single increase they are giving the 200 euro off electricity bills from next month but you know they're basically saying we can't keep doing that because we will run out of money. That prompted Eta in Douglas to say people in this country A proportion of people in this country seem to want everything for free. She said, I heard of a man and his wife yesterday who were complaining. About the cost of living. Now she said they're an elderly couple so they must be living on a state pension. If they're living on a state pension they have their mortgage paid off. They're living on a state pension which would be nearly €500 for the two of them for the week and yet they're saying they can't survive on that. I'm questioning what are they spending their money on. For example surely two elderly people could shop around says Eta, and they could get their shopping for €50 a week for the two of them Eta. Would you feed two people on 50 euro? Maybe you would I don't know Anyway Isha says that she often spots grandparents in toy shops and sports shops and they can be spending anything up to 100 euro on gifts for their grandchildren There's no need for any of this Should I feel people want everything for free There was a time when people wouldn't pay for their bins to be collected by the council Guess what happened? It went into private control People refused to pay for water And then you have people who go out to work every single day and they work hard and others that seem to want everything for free including a free house, all of these people just want to take 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 it 's those of us who go to work every day that are paying for everything. Ireland is a great little country to live in, but why do so many people want everything for free? Your thoughts welcomed on that comment 0818103103. 103. John in white 's cross is picking up on the fuel allowance when I mentioned when I was looking into this yesterday when I saw a board gosh. Prices go up and I knew that the additional fuel allowance was being paid this week. The extra €125, a lot of people would be receiving it today. But only a third of older people are entitled to the fuel allowance. John says he was helping out a man last year to see if he was entitled to the fuel allowance. John says when they did all of the calculation, he was €2.70 over the threshold. So he was refused the fuel allowance. Now, in the budget last October, they announced that they were widening the threshold for the means testing for the fuel allowance and that kicked in from January. So John is a very good friend to this man. Well done, John. He said, I reapplied again and now it turns out He's not two euros seventy over. He's within the means for the means testing, and he has, he is now receiving the fuel allowance. But John says he will only get the fuel allowance from January. It's not going to be backdated because it was oh uh, because he was over. well. I would, John, I could have told you they wouldn't backdate it. They extended it to allow more people to come in under the fuel allowance. But I knew I absolutely knew that it wouldn't be backdated. But at least your friend, the that gentleman, will get the extra one hundred and twenty five today when they, they paid out the extra but there wasn't a hope they would never go down the route of, of backdating it would simply just cost them uh, too much money uh, Carrick 2 will have been on to tell us their St Patrick's Day parade is starting tomorrow at 1.15 if people are in the Carrick 2 Hill area please go along and support the parade C103 Jobs
0: With Munster Technological University enhance your career prospects with MTU's range of full time part time and professional courses succeeding together with MTU
3: Two people are wanted for immediate start to work on the air contract in the West Cork area. If you're interested, call 087 2529416. The Maryborough House Hotel they've got vacancies for spa therapists and assistant food and beverage manager. Email cover note and your CV to M at Maryborough.ie. Junior and senior stylists are wanted to work at Nova Hair, that's in Dunmanway. Emails please to NovaHair, Dunmanway at gmail.com. And a chef, sorry, cafe staff wanted for a maternity cover in Newmarket. Email CVs to Patricia Rocock Rowe, Patricia at gmail.com. Kitchen staff are also wanted to work in Airtastic. That's in Little Island. You need to send a CV to bradley.beard at air tastic.com You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103.
2: Court today on C103.
0: With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance cmig.ie
3: Everyone is trying to use whatever skills they have to try to help the people of Ukraine and court Fork tenor Finbar Wright has done what he does best and he's written a song to raise funds for the Irish Red Cross and I'm delighted to say that Finbar Wright joins me this morning. Good morning to you Finbar.
6: Good morning, Patricia. How
3: are you? I'm very well. Always great to speak with you. And I'm going to play the song, which, by the way, is just beautiful. I'm going to play it in in a moment. But trying to express the horrors of war in a song is not easy. Talk to me about your, your writing process behind this.
6: Well, I suppose I've been I've been writing poems forever. And, you know, I suppose the first major one that I recorded was a a song about Veronica Girden back when she was uh, assassinated on on the Nays Road. And uh, ever since I've been writing poetry, uh, I published some. I don't publish others. But this one in particular was close to my heart. And it's a, it's a poem, firstly, that I, I worked on and and then decided to put music to it and try and do something positive with it for this cause. Uh, I, I roped in my son, Fergus, who uh, thankfully is a great musician and great at the engineering side. So we were able to turn it around relatively quickly. And, uh, and as I say, everything from it, if people buy it on iTunes or whatever, it'll all go straight to the Red Cross. Whatever's raised goes straight off. So well it's, it's just my... It's just a simple effort for me. You know, it's, it's something small, but every bit helps, I think.
3: And music can be inspiring and music can be moving. I mean, is, is that what you're hoping, that, you know, people get, will get moved by this song? When you're
1: ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online.
3: inspired by the song and then go and either, as you say, download it or else just make a
6: donation? Yes, I mean, I suppose it's like a painter painting a picture. You know, the song is four minutes and it tries to paint a picture of what war is like. I mean, if we consider that a few weeks ago, people got up, I'm sure, on a beautiful morning like this in Ukraine, went about their business, their families, their children. And then the day after, the world turned on its head and they were out on the road and, you know, trying to keep everything together, trying to keep the children sane and safe. And I mean, it's 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 beyond comprehension and it's it's beyond belief in this day and age that one man literally could cause such misery for so many you know i mean it's uh, but what can we do you know the irish can only do what we do best and that is to support uh, the humanitarian cause and uh, try and accommodate the people and feed them and and tend to their their medical needs and so on i mean <clears throat> We've always been great at, as a nation doing that, uh, you know, all over the world. So I think that's our strength and we should we should play to that strength. But uh, the Irish Red Cross, they need money. You know, the money counts because that's the only thing they can use really to, to feed and to clothe and to help these people. And I'm really
3: hoping that the people of Ukraine will eventually uh, get to hear your song, Finbar, because the one thing about the Ukrainians, they're, they're They're gifted from a musical point of view. I mean, I saw a group of... opera singers yesterday standing in the middle of Kiev singing the National Anthem. Right. Yesterday I played out a piece that I just thought was stunning of a, a girl whose apartment got bombed and she went in mm-hmm. to just get her last few bits and pieces and she just dusted off her piano and played her piano for the final time and played this piece of mesmerising Chopin in, and just with the mm-hmm. the curtains billowing out the window and just surrounded by debris. Like they mm-hmm. are culturally they they're, they're a very musical country aren't they
6: well, they are—they're bursting with talent. There's no question about that. And I mean, and they have the discipline to to turn it into something truly great. You know, I mean, they have they have some of the best uh, violinists and pianists and and orchestras in the world there, and beautiful singers. You know, and the, it's a terrible indictment of, of civilization that that all of this should be inflicted on them. You know, and my heart goes out, especially to all the musicians there. You know, who who are trying to make their living. And 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 go about their lives and and, you know, particularly because we put up with COVID for two years, which has set back all of the industry quite a bit, and you know, kept people off the stages of the world. So I mean, it's uh, this is another misery on top of that for, for yeah. all of them. yeah, that
3: know? yeah, the timing. We were just trying to get back to a normal world. What was the mm. la- how were the last two years? What was COVID like for you in that whole time period, Fimber?
6: Well, you know, I'm always very positive. There was there's always plenty to do. <laughs> I'm I'm a very I'm a very avid gardener. I can tell you so. I was able to get out and do a lot of work in the garden, and of course, my wife Angela has worked right through uh, online and you know working away. So I've I've cooked a few meals, Patricia, <laughs> during, during all that time. In fact, they renamed the oven the crematorium because often what oh. we did didn't come out as a, <laughs> didn't come out as intended, you know. so. <laughs> but did did, Kimir, did i read somewhere that you lost a stone and a half in weight yeah i've lost quite a lot of weight yeah i i've been i'm supposedly writing my autobiography but you know like a bold child whenever i get a chance to escape i do but uh yes i've i've lost a lot of weight it's just that when you're not traveling and you're able to control your diet at home it's a lot easier i have found you know so uh, I thought maybe that, maybe that helped.
3: I thought you were going to say because you burnt every dinner you cooked that that was the reason you lost. <laughs> there was nothing to eat in the house because of the, the the crematorium in the in in the kitchen. Come here, tell us yes. how how is how is the memoir how is the autobiography going?
6: Well, it's coming along nicely, and you know it's just stories, really. I'm not going to write it as something boring. I'm really writing just all the fascinating things. That, that happened to be along the way. And the fascinating people uh, I met, I I put up a recording there recently uh, that I made with Montserrat Cavalier, I remember in Dublin back in 1995. And that that was a super experience. And I'll write about that. And, you know, she arrived into the hotel the day I first met her. And the first thing she did is she dragged me into a taxi to go into Grafton Street to do some shopping in Brown Thomas because (laughs) she she, she wanted to buy scarves or something. So that was my first introduction to, (laughs) to Montserrat. So there are, there are lots of stories, lots of stories. Ah,
3: yeah, we look forward to that. When do you hope to have it finished and out, so that we can read <clears throat> it and talk to you about it?
6: Here I say it'll <laughs> be it'll be next it'll be next. Gee, I say to it? be realistic, <laughs> yeah. I'll be back in the Opera House uh, and on the 18th of February next year. So that's, we had to postpone it twice. So Well, it's funny because I
3: remember at the start of the year, I'm sure I, I mentioned that you were coming to the Opera House. It was around Valentine's, yeah. wasn't it? And I was saying, oh, this would be a lovely, it was, val- it was, be a yeah, lovely Valentine right. treat for people. And then it got cancelled. It had to be postponed again.
6: Y- yes, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's difficult because you need the lead time, you know, for everybody, for musicians and promoters and everything. So, you know, we're hopefully by the end of this year, we'll be back in the National Concert Hall and and roll on from there. We're keeping our fingers crossed that we we have reached the end of the the worst of it, you know.
3: Okay. all right. Well, listen, uh, and did you manage to avoid
6: getting COVID? I did indeed. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm very healthy and I'm triple vaccinated and all those things. Oh, well done. Uh, yeah. I'm very. I, There's
3: so much of it out there, isn't there, at the moment, it's it's almost hard to avoid it at this stage.
6: It is hard to avoid it. And the thing is that people should be careful because I know of people that I'm acquainted with who have gotten it in the past week or two. And it, it's bad enough, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's no picnic. I mean, even the mile form is quite... Uh, debilitating and they've had to take the to debate and all that sort of thing so I, I wouldn't recommend it. Okay. <laughs> Listen it's a
3: pleasure as always we're going to play, play <laughs> it, it it's called Song for War what's the full title?
6: It's Dies Irae, which is a little bit of Latin, and right. uh, Dies Irae, which is a day of sorrow or whatever, and song, song, song of war. Okay. And really, you'll have to get out of the studio today, Patricia. It's far too nice a day. Are you as, out- my mother always, <laughs> as my mother always said, it is a sin to be inside in a day like today, all right? It, it, absolutely. Are you out in the garden? You are? <laughs> <laughs> well I, I'm looking I'm looking out at that moment but I hope, hope to be out there soon
3: OK listen a pleasure as always we'll talk again soon Finbar, thanks a million for joining us uh, the pleasure was all mine thanks for good teaching. morning to you the, the lovely Finbar right and here is his uh, Desirera Song of War all proceeds going to the Irish Red Cross <laughs> All the parts of the world look on with envy at the success of the Eurovision Song Contest, and this month America has decided to get in on the act, and they are staging the American Song Contest based on our own Eurovision. Johnny O'Mani, our Eurovision correspondent, uh, joins me. Uh, good morning to you, Johnny.
8: Good morning, Patricia. How are you?
3: I'm very well. There's been talks about this for years, hasn't there? America yeah, has wanted to do a similar song contest.
8: Yeah, there's been, um, I suppose communications over the last, I suppose, five, ten years anyway, trying to get America to do this. And um, it was due to, I think, go on maybe two years ago. COVID slowed things down, obviously. And then it was all set up to go last year, but uh, it, for obvious reasons, it didn't. And then, it's, I think it's about two weeks later, starting, you know, they'd intended starting two weeks ago. But uh, it's starting on Monday night, just, and it's the American Song Contest, looking for the the next big hit single, I think is how they're they're phrasing it.
3: And it's all fifty U.S. states competing against each other.
8: Yep, there's fifty six song. There'll be fifty six uh, participants altogether. There's all fifty states, five U.S. territories, and the capital. So there's fifty six <laughs> entries, and um, it's, it's it's a big thing. Like NBC are doing it. So um, usually you would have different broadcasters from around Europe as we have here but NBC is the broadcaster and it's the states. all these participants in and um, they're going to have semi-finals a quarter final semi-final and then the final will be the night before the first semi-final of Eurovision.
3: So right right up to May it'll go. Right so, up to the night. So e- every Monday night. So each state and the territory and the capital they've all selected an artist and a song to represent them.
8: That Absolutely, it? that's it, yeah. That's it. And uh, it's, it, you know, it's it, it's a big thing for America, really. Like, there are names that have been, uh, that are taking part. Michael Bolton is one. You've got Jewel, who's um, a big kind of country merchant star, if my memory serves me right. Um, Macy Gray, who many what? people will know. Uh, Kelly Clarkson is presenting, and Snoop Dogg is presenting. So they're two very big names that are kind of, they're really pushing the boat out to make this a big a big event.
3: So it will just slightly differ in that there'll be qualifying rounds because obviously they can't have fifty six songs in, in a final.
8: Yeah, and I don't know yet how many are gonna be in the final but they as I said they're having a big launch on Monday night, I think a two hour show. So um there'll be qualifying rounds. Um I presume the voting's going to be similar to Eurovision. And uh they will narrow it down obviously, um possibly maybe to around twenty songs for the final and uh, they'll pick their, their songs from that. And that that's, you know, it's going to be a very kind of Eurovision-style thing. But I think the fact that the big names that are in it, you know, everybody's going to want to put in a, a song that's going to, they don't want to be kind of kicked out at the first round.
3: Yeah, yeah. And it's go, it'll be one of these things, A little bit like when the Eurovision started back in the 50s here, it might start small, but I think if this is a success, uh, it will really grow. Is there, and is there anyone from the Eurovision organisation helping them out, for example?
8: Yeah, it's big from the... the I know Christopher Bjorkman, he sang for Sweden back in 92, and I think he ended up second last. And people said, like, his that's his career finish. But since then... True Swedish television he's worked he's he's a big name in eurovision production, I suppose, so he's one of the names and other people from the e b u and Swedish television that are drafted into the u s to uh produce this show and uh it's it, it's a big undertaking because uh you you're not only dealing with the whole show but you're dealing with the fifty six participants you know because it, it's been a big kind of thing to 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 get together for 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 a first event i suppose
3: someone says could you ask johnny could he ever see america being allowed to enter the eurovision song contest at the end of the day we already have australia in it
8: it's quite possible you don't know if this is part of the plan you know depending on how this will go um it, it's quite possible that they would do something like that but uh at the moment that has that's not even a question i don't think america would probably want to participate there. They want to be doing their own thing, you know? So, I mean, this is evidence of that, I suppose. If if there was a chance that they would participate in Eurovision, that would have been done before now, you know?
3: So, yeah, um, yeah. Will we be able to see it? I don't
8: know how it's working, yet, if it's going to be online. Like, I, I I would say kind of like The Voice, US or Brit- America's Got Talent, it could be broadcast on, oh. a like, maybe the next day or the next week or yeah, down the yeah. line. So, at the moment, there's no I, knowing if it's going to be live online. But it will be Monday night, I think, 8 p.m. Um,
3: American time.
8: American time, yeah, that uh, it's going to be broadcast. But uh, that's something that people could look up. And it, it's all on Eurovision.tv, any other information required. But um, I'd say it will be broadcast down the line on... Irish television or you know European television yes. because there is a big interest in Europe now and that as well to yeah, see how
3: yeah, it will yeah, work yeah, out. You know, absolutely, absolutely, and of course uh, for for us here uh, we're getting very close to Eurovision in uh, May. What I'm reading online, Johnny, is Ukraine to win. I haven't even heard the song, but people are saying that they they are going to top the leaderboard. Aren't people
8: they? people are saying that Ukraine will get a lot of votes. And that's possible, too, under the circumstances. But if you kind of compare it back to um, the war in Yugoslavia back in 92, 93, um, and especially 94, when Bosnia came on stage in Mill Street and when they came on stage in Dublin in 94, their reaction was superb. Now, that didn't transfer into votes.
3: Yeah. You know, the
8: bottom line, it it all comes back to the song at the end of the day as well. But I think Ukraine will get votes, and um, based on current circumstances but you know have you wings,
3: ha- have I you heard know. their song?
8: I've heard their song, yeah, and yeah. it's 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 about one one of the guys in the band, it's about his mother. So they're saying now this is a song to mothers all over the world, especially oh, mothers in Ukraine. So oh. there's that whether that'll transfer on the stage and people will, you know, when the housewives of Norway are sitting at home watching, will they understand this, you know?
3: They, the la- it was 2016, wasn't it, when Ukraine last won?
8: The last one in 2016, yeah, and they stage in 2017 in Kiev, and I mean it. Did you go? I was in Kiev in 2005, I wasn't there in 2000. My last one was in 2015 when they won, or 2016 when they won in, in Stockholm, and they, they staged in 2017.
3: But but, but, but you went uh, to
8: Kiev in the early... In when 2005, yeah, and yeah. what a fantastic week that was, I mean, they did... You know, even like we stayed in the International Hotel, which was looking onto the square, you know, and in, in the center of Kiev. And any photographs of the center, like there's a, a big statue in the middle of the square, that hotel is, is in the, you know, to have been stuck in the middle of all that and to see what's going on now, it, it's tough
3: going. It's heartbreaking, isn't it, to watch it? Yeah, very, very much. Yeah, so, yeah. and if for I anyone who's been to the country, that you can, you, you you've, you've walked those streets. Walk those
8: streets, and, uh, you know, just mixed with people, and, you know, it, it was a great week in Kiev, you know, they really were so delighted to have the opportunity to stage Eurovision, and they've done very well, like, since they first uh, entered Eurovision, you know, they've been second on a few occasions, they've won it twice, you know, we meant to be seen, when they went it a third time now, but um, they did a... A great job in staging and especially in 2017, it was a big, um, um, not even improvement is the wrong word, but they had brought it forward again into the, into the, made it more modern again.
3: Mm. I saw the lead singer he's at the moment he is they're obviously not performing at the moment he's running a 20 strong volunteer group they're supplying medicines and helping people flee the war and then other members of the band are in the territorial defence unit and I saw the lead singer talking about he's 300 miles away from his uh, girlfriend they're separated obviously with everything that's going on and she sits in a bunker uh, all day making Molotov cocktails as part of her defence efforts yes. She God help them God help yes. them
8: it, you, you never know.
3: Ah you don't you don't indeed. Listen a pleasure as always we'll speak again in a few weeks time closer to the, it the event to uh, Johnny but always a pleasure to talk to you thanks for that. That okay, is thanks. our Eurovision uh, correspondent Johnny O'Mahony in advance of the American Song Contest kicking off next uh, Monday 0818 103 103. John Paul taking your calls you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Your pet your, your pet questions your gardening questions please because Peter will joining us in the next Next hour, a break, and we hit to news at 12 midday.
2: Cork Today on C103
0: with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. Cmig.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
3: Helen, who says, Great and a powerful song from Fimbo, right? the one that he's recorded a song for war and he's recorded it with post he's going to the Red Irish Red uh, Cross. Um, Helen wants to say well done to uh, Finbar and he's just a lovely guy as well which really uh, which, which really always helps when you're having a chat with him. Now can I give advice to somebody my apologies I'm only getting around to, around to this but we needed to check with the HSC to make sure that we were giving the most accurate and up to date advice. It's one of our listeners now this may affect other people so listen to this please. Listener says advice please COVID positive. I've been isolating for the last seven days. My test is still positive today on day seven for COVID. When do I need to finish self-isolating? Thank you. I'm feeling good and I don't have any symptoms because this listener is doing absolutely everything right because the advice is that you self-isolate for the seven days. Now they always say at the end of the seven days you're just kind of careful for the three days after to reduce the risk of passing on COVID to anybody else. But we went on to the website to see if we could find out what happens at the end of the seven days if you if you test positive. So we ended up getting on to the HSE for our listener and the HSE has suggested that the listener needs to get a PCR test done and you can go online, you can self-refer and there's PCR tests available today in Cork. So go get a PCR test. That's what the HSE is saying. If at the end of your seven days of isolate, isolating, you still end up with a positive test. Good to know though that you're feeling well and that you have no uh, symptoms. Now, coming into us on a lot of uh, keep your gardening questions coming in, please, because Peter Dowdle uh, will be joining us soon. 0862103103. You can text her WhatsApp or you can call John Paul. But a number of other comment, comments coming in to, to do with other issues we've been dealing with uh, today. For example, listener says, well, I sympathise with the lady looking for a house. I'm appalled at how she signed the comment Irish family living in North Cork remark. In the name of God, there is a war going on. Be grateful that you're not being bombed. Complain about the council if you feel hard done by, but your problem won't be solved by pointing the finger at them, says a uh, texter. And there was, a, there was somebody else as well, actually, on that um, uh, issue. Um, oh no, actually the listeners themselves came back to us saying, Patricia, I texted earlier about the council taking no notice of myself and my family in trying to get re- a housing transfer. I don't want people to think that I don't care about what's going on in Ukraine because I do. We think it's absolutely awful, Patricia, but, and it should not be happening at all. But our situation here where we live is just awful. It concerns anti-social behaviour by neighbours and how the council are not doing anything to help us. It also concerns another thing that I'd rather not mention on air, but the council are aware of this. We're afraid to go outside our own house most times. Why the council are not helping us is a a mystery. And that's from the North Cork family who are on a transfer list, but not getting a transfer. And we're just worried when they heard that there was 50, 500 modular homes been built by the council but I don't think they're being built by the by Cork County Council. It's just been mentioned that it may be a possibility to build these modular homes and John from Roscommon is saying well good luck with getting planning for a modular home because he tried, he said it's impossible to get planning permission for one as it's not a solid structure but I'm assuming if the council are building it on state land which is what has been suggested, the uh, they can somehow get around to the planning side of it. And then there's been a lot of reaction to a call that we had in earlier from ETA, who was saying why this was when we were talking about the high cost of electricity and gas and how the government were saying we can give so much, but we can't cushion all of the increases. And people were saying, how are they going to be able to afford bills? And that led to ETA saying, why do we seem to live some people live in a mentality that they want everything for free she was saying and she made the point that she goes out to work now with her family and that people that are working all of the time get nothing for free and that there's a cohort of society she feels that want everything for free, they want their houses free, they want the electricity free and they seem to be on the take all the time and that was really annoying, uh, Eita and uh, she then went on to talk about, she had heard about a retired tire- elderly couple, they don't have a mortgage, they're living, if she's saying they're living just even on the state pension she says they've under- 500 euro they were saying they can't make ends meet and she can't understand that and one of the points she made was that you could live two people could live on 50 if they shopped around they could live on 50 euro a week now I did question I don't know how anyone's doing it for 50 euro a week anyway number of people reacting to Eta's comment including Fidelma in McCroom to say I live on my own and you can tell, Ita, there is no way that I could survive on 50 euro a week just on food. That lady, Ita, was insinuating that the pensioners must be wasting money. So for her to say a couple could live and provide food for two people for 50 euro a week is a disgrace. It's getting harder and harder by the day to live. When we, when we buy something new, for example, it means we have to leave Something else out. It is impossible. And someone else wants to know what planet is ETA living on? Even people who are working are struggling. And by the way, this texture says, No one has a free house. She would want to get a life, says uh, somebody Oh eight one eight one zero oh three one zero oh three. Michael on the high cost of electricity going up says Patricia people should immediately switch to LED bulbs and they will see their ESB bills electricity bills dramatically come come down there are those who never switch off lights especially if you've got children and young people in the house they seem to leave lights on all the time and then there are others who are being extremely economic with their lights I think a lot of people Michael are starting to be extremely economic about their electricity one thing and I remember years ago the suggestion coming in on the programme and we spoke about it and a lot of people were doing it and then it's back again as a suggestion if you drink a lot of tea or coffee at home and that your kettle is constantly on the boil. Boiling kettles can really, don't know how much it is every time you go to boil a kettle but boiling a kettle can be expensive and of course we're meant to get into the habit if you're just boiling for a cup of coffee or a cup of tea to just boil the amount you need. We all have a tendency to half fill or fill up the kettle and then that goes to a waste. There is a really good trick for saving on electricity is to boil a full kettle in the morning and fill up a flask and then you've got your hot water all day. If you drink a lot of tea or coffee, that is another way of being a little bit energy efficient. Uh, Tim, this is on the price of oil. Tim has a new house so he was getting oil for his tank for the first time on the 3rd of February. So he just got it half full. Listen to this. On the 3rd of February, he paid €475 Euro to half fill his tank. And then he started seeing the prices were increasing. He says, God, I better fill up the tank just to be on the safe side. So he went and he got the, the tank filled up, got another 500 litres. It's about 1,000 litres, isn't it? It goes into the standard tank. And he said, wait for this. The second fill cost him 845 euro that was 375 euro of an increase it almost doubled in prices so that is a huge huge increase and a lot of people are starting to notice that uh, Tim the St Patrick's Day Parade thank you for your, t- for your call The St Patrick's Day Parade in Kilmallock is on tomorrow and it is starting at one o'clock Let's talk about St Patrick's Day Parades for a moment now because the countdown is very much on to tomorrow's St Patrick's Day Parades in cities and towns and villages right across the county Our news reporter Mairead Tuic has been visiting some of the groups who are taking part and she sent us back this report <laughs>
9: The familiar sound of the Barrack Street Band will be heard in Cork City during the parade tomorrow. These band members are looking forward to the festivities. Maria, oh, I really missed it. It's always lots of fun. Uh, Marissa, like the last time we talked, uh, it was it was really fun. Like we, we, yeah, we were
10: just we were just having fun, having the crack. Ellie, it's been a few years, years though. The last year weren't. and then a few before
9: then, I hadn't really done it. So this is gonna be the first time since I've been like twelve probably. So and a bit nerve wracking taking care like, Beforehand, yeah. It's just like the atmosphere is very tense you to almost say with like all the people and you know, you're nervous, you're like, Oh,
10: I could like mess up, you could do anything but when you're in the moment it just like it takes over you and you're just there and like the people like cheering and everyone else playing and when you do well, you feel good about it and you do better, so that's like the main thing, I'd say. I'm Rima.
0: Oh, it's really fun, it's really exciting, something to look forward to. I'm Caitlin. It's great fun and we've missed the past two years and it's a day where we go out and it's the biggest crowd of the
9: year, so we've definitely missed it and it's really exciting that it's coming coming soon. Oh, it's the coldest day of the year. We all wear, we all have a joke of um, bring your fingerless gloves because, <laughs> because it's so cold. So, oh
1: it's so good, it's always a great
9: atmosphere and it's lovely to see everyone and just enjoy the music Brian Prendergast has been conductor for the past 12 years
0: And as always Paddy's Day, hopefully the going to be shining as well. You know. Hopefully it'll be a big crowd out, you know, because I think it's the first one now in a couple of years and hopefully people can enjoy the day, you know. It must
9: yeah. be nice to be
0: back in Absolutely. Day. Just back, back playing music is, is great. It was, it, was a, it was a hard two years for, for musicians, for everybody. but a hard two years for musicians. let nice to get back, you know.
9: Chairperson of the band, Billy O'Callaghan, says it's great to be back at a St. Patrick's Day parade.
0: St. Patrick's Day is probably one of the, uh, the biggest occasions in the year for bands
8: of the city and... For the people of the city uh, at the parade, and that and the Barry Street Band has a very long association with St. Patrick's Day parades in Cork, uh, going all the way back to
0: 1889, believe it or not.
9: Cork Community Art Link will be marching a huge articulated granny down the streets of Cork City. Here's General Manager Laura Powells. It
0: represents, you know, the great uh, matriarchal hero, um, and um, she is going to be. I'd say like around four to five meters high, so she's going to be very, 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 very tall. And um, she's going actually to be, you know, um, there's a whole mechanized system in place, um, so she's actually going to be able to to move, you know, as she goes along. She's going to be moving her legs and and arms as well as you know she's walking rebel wheelers
9: are also taking part in the parade pro jack squibb says members love being part of the club
11: there's going to be guys and guys and girls in the wheelchairs from the basketball and uh, the rugby gang are going to be there and we're going to have the athletics um, showing what they do as well both junior and senior um, so, everyone's going to get to see going up uh, Patrick Street well, exactly what we'll be doing and what we do as a club. I remember when I was here a month ago to just take pictures of the session for um, social media, and there was a new kid here on the night, and his, da- his dad stayed for the session. And The guy uh, the dad was like, you could see him beaming with pride. He's found something for his kid to take part in, and that's what it means. It's It's something for. Us to take part in, you know, it's it's always being able to play sport. Like every kid should be able to.
9: The parade in Cork City gets underway from 1 p.m. Grand Marshal is Blood South. Here's Chairman Martin O'Driscoll.
11: We'll head out as a bunch
6: and uh, enjoy the day and. Um yeah, take our place again at the front of the parade, and this time twice at the front of the parade, <laughs> which will be interesting. Uh, I don't. I think it might be quite entertaining to see a load of bikers walking in bike gear up Patrick Street. <laughs> There'll be a lot of sweaty bikers out there by the end of it.
3: thanks to our two week on the countdown to St Patrick's Day and best of luck to everybody taking part in parades and for the general public for everybody to get out and support them and I've actually had an email in from the Bantry Development and Tourism hi to Eileen and the gang there to say that Bantry is going Green Festival that kicks off tomorrow with their parade and they're going to have families from Ukraine leading the parade with people invited to join them in solidarity such a lovely Lovely gesture and the parade in Bantry starts at 1pm from Wultone Square and then they literally have the next three days is the Bantry Goes Green Festival, runs from the 17th through to the 20th. Lots and lots of things happening in Bantry. Best of luck to all involved. The
2: C103 Cork Diary.
0: With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie.
3: And let's stay with uh, details of parades. White Gate Residents Association, their parade tomorrow, 12.30. Maddow St. Patrick's Day Parade, half past two with assembly at the Tesco car park at two where frontline heroes are the ones to be honored johnny bongos will entertain the crowd outside the hibernian hotel from 1 30. not gonna agree saint patrick's day parade they've got an 11am start tomorrow Upper Glen Myers St. Patrick's Day Parade, 3 o'clock tomorrow afternoon, and they're including a bucket collection for Ukraine. And Bear Island, they're having a parade, 3 o'clock tomorrow afternoon, live street entertainment from 2 pm. And Carrick Tools St. Patrick's Day Parade, they start at 1.15 with prizes for the best community float, best window display, and best dressed person on the day. And a party for St. Patrick's Day will be held in St. Vincent de Paul Rooms in Charleville tomorrow afternoon, Two to four. Tea, coffee and prizes for all senior citizens. And St. Patrick's Day, Ukraine Day in Kilbriton. You're invited you to join the family on a 5K walk or run. Starts at 11.30 tomorrow morning and you can register at Anne's Salon. All proceeds going to the Kilbritain, Red Cross, Ukraine crisis appeal.
2: Court today on C103.
0: With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie.
3: As we've mentioned earlier, gauche Energy have become the first energy supplier in 2022 to announce a price hike for its customers. And by golly, it's a considerable one. From April Fifteenth, the energy supplier is increasing the unit cost of its gas by 43% and the price of its electricity by 29%. Dara Cassidy of comparison website bonkers.ie joins me. Good afternoon to you, Dara. Hi, Patricia. Are you surprised at the size of the increase? I
11: am. I wasn't surprised at the timing as I thought it was only a matter of time before this happened. And last year, there were over 35 price hike announcements, and unfortunately, the price of energy on wholesale markets has continued to skyrocket. So it really was only a matter of time before we saw another price increase in 2022. I didn't think it was going to be as big as this, though. Um, as you said, 43% on gas, 29% on electricity. There's no way to sugarcoat it. It's a huge, huge increase. It's, uh, I've never seen anything like it before, to be honest. And it's going to make a big, big dent in people's pockets.
3: And in fairness to Bordgosh, they did have, they had a winter price pledge, didn't they? They sort of said, look, we'll let people get over winter and then we'll increase the price.
11: They did. So in some ways, this was playing catch up with the rest of the market. And actually, Bordgosh, even after this huge, huge price increase, isn't the most expensive supplier. Um, there are others that are actually more expensive. Um, Bordgosh raised it. Electricity prices three times last year, and gas prices twice. But some suppliers, especially, raised prices five times. So they're all kind of at various um, stages of the price journey, uh, as it were. So, um, but but you're right. I mean, they did have that winter price. Freeze, that gave people some comfort but it's come to a very sudden
3: end. Absolutely a lot of our listeners are pointing out that it's not just the unit prices going up, the standing charge can you explain why why they put an increase on the standing charge?
11: Uh, to be honest I can't and you're, you're right it, it really kind of feels like it's maybe just a bit of price gouging um, the standing charge is there to deal with the fixed costs of supplying gas and electricity or that's what the energy suppliers they anyway. Um, but that's gone up as well. So not only has the you know, price of the gas and electricity gone up, the standing charge for gas has also gone up by 43%, and the standing charge for electricity has also gone up by 29%. So even if you shut off every single appliance, Patricia, as bad in a cold home with no heat and no, no light, you're still going to be faced with price increases. So it, it feels a little bit mean, a little bit unfair. I, I'm, I'm not happy with this. Um, And, you know, since prices started rising in the autumn of 2020, um, the increase to the electricity standing charge from Bordgosh has been around €123, while the increase to the gas standing charge has been almost €80. So they're not insignificant increases. Mm -hmm. And they're all doing it, though. It's not just Bordgosh. The others have done it as well. And how do Bordgosh,
3: what's their explanation for the huge increases? It's
11: the explanation that, that that everybody's giving, and in fairness to them, we are in unprecedented times. Even before the outbreak of war in Ukraine, energy prices, particularly gas, was at a record high, and actually the price increase that we've seen from Portogosh, believe it or not, probably has very, very little to do with the recent, um, you know, instability in Ukraine. It's actually more to do with previous issues that we've had. But just to put things into context... So, you know, we use gas, as you probably know, at this stage, you know, to generate a huge amount of our electricity around 40 to 50 percent of our electricity comes from burning gas. So when the price of gas goes up, not only does the heating bill goes up, the electricity bill usually goes up as well. But in 2020, gas was trading at around 40 to 45 pence per term on UK markets, which is the best proxy for our prices. And a term is the unit of measurement for for gas. In 2021, that went up to about maybe 200 pence. So it went up fourfold. And then in December, it went up to around 400 pence. And at one stage recently, it went up to 600 pence. So at one stage, it was up around 15 fold compared to where it was only around maybe 18 months ago. So it is a huge, huge increase. And, you know, I'm not here to, to, to plead poverty for the energy companies or to necessarily defend them. But it's very difficult to absorb that type of price increase. And, of course, we'll also seeing the price of oil go up. Um, and then kind of, you know, to it all off, last year in Ireland, according to Met Erwin, was the least windy year in Dublin, for example, since 1959, and one of the least windy years in the rest of the country in many, many years. So then even the wind turbines weren't blowing to, to give us some renewable energy.
3: Get so them out <laughs> to sea. God, get them out to, get oh, them out I, I, to agree, sea. I agree, I agree. It's uh, just been
11: a perfect mix of, uh, a
3: perfect storm. A perfect storm without the wind. Okay, I, I mentioned that they're the first energy suppliers to put up in, in 2022 uh, can we now expect that the other suppliers will follow suit?
11: Yeah, pretty much. I'd say it's probably weeks if not days before some of the others follow. Um, they're all faced with the same price pressures. They're all buying their energy from pretty much the same places. Um, and the fact that Board Gosh out, which is such a big supplier, unfortunately you'll almost send you know, a price signal to the rest that they can increase prices as well. Because usually it's one of the smaller ones that come out first. And I was expecting it to be a, a smaller supplier And even though I knew the board gosh price freeze was coming to an end and they'd probably have to readjust prices eventually, I still thought it would be one of the smallest suppliers. So unfortunately, yes, I think it's only a matter of time before most of them follow suit.
3: Okay, a couple of questions in, and they're, they're, they're the very same uh, questions from both uh, Judy and Douglas and uh, uh, Sally. Can you leave Board Gosh if they increase my price? Uh, does that break my contract? I'm in a fixed contract with Board Gosh until November. Uh, Sally said, I have a fixed rate, and now that's been increased. Can I terminate my contract?
11: No. no, I mean you can terminate it and be charged the termination fee which is 50 euro per fuel and 100 euro for, for then a, a fuel, fuel contract if you have your gas and electricity with them but there's no fixed energy contract in Ireland so we have fixed mortgage rates and variable mortgage rates for example but we don't have any fixed energy deals we used to, one supplier used to offer them they weren't that popular for some reason and that supplier then actually left the market but what people need to know I don't, which they may not no, because they may not have read the terms and conditions, but when you sign up to an electricity or a gas plan, Patricia, your contract is with the discounts. So it's the percentage discount that you get off the standard unit rate, if that makes sense. And that unit rate can unfortunately go up, although sometimes it can go down over the course of your contract. So in short, Gosh can and other suppliers can increase their prices and you, you, there's not much that you can do about it because you are still getting the same discount. So they haven't broken their side of the bargain. Okay. But um, yes, yeah, so, so it, it, it's a question we're getting asked all the time. Okay, but,
3: but if you haven't changed your energy supplier, now is the time to do it?
11: Yes, absolutely. There still is discounts available. Now, with gas and electricity going up, I think we're all going to end up spending more this year than we did last year, which you can soften the blow, as it were. You can offset some of those price increases by switching. So there's still discounts available to people who switch at maybe 30 to 40%. If you don't switch, and around maybe 40% of people have never switched, according to the CRU, if you haven't switched in a few years, you're on your suppliers. Top rate basically, so it's their standard rate with no discount attached. You don't want to be that person. So even their prices are going up, if you switch to a supplier, they'll give you a good discount to entice you to switch.
3: Okay so make sure you switch and before I let you go because I actually thought of you this morning and was about to say to Jean Paul we need to bring Dara on about this and then lo lo and behold you're on about the electricity this is to do with the price the ban on the so called price walking in car and home insurance sector the central bank have banned it can you just explain what price walking is?
11: So uh, price walking is where you've been with the same supplier for a few years and they increase your price compared to maybe a customer who's only been with them maybe one year so if you take out you know maybe car insurance and maybe you're renewing for the seventh or the eighth or the ninth year, because they think you're a loyal customer, they then charge you more than somebody who's maybe only been with the supplier for maybe two or three years. So the central bank has banned that practice for car insurance and home insurance. What they haven't done though, and I do agree with this, they haven't banned new customer discounts. So you can still be charged a different price for the first year. And I do think that's important because the reason why price walking was banned was that we wanted to protect older and more vulnerable customers. But equally, we need to remember, and of course I'm always talking about this, is that there are a cohort of customers who save money by shopping around. Every and, year. By getting, and by getting new customer discounts. Exactly. Yeah. And had the central bank banned... Any form of dual pricing, it would have penalized, I think, the people who do shop around and the people who do look for better value. So I think it was a good compromise. Now, listen, some people might say you would say that, of course, because you work for a price comparison site. But I see it firsthand every day, people who save. Um, And again, you know, it's the same with the energy market. You can save by switching. So, So just to reiterate, you can still get a good deal during the first year in car and home insurance by switching. But then in year two, year three, year four, you should not be charged any more than somebody who's only been with the company maybe one year or two years, if that makes sense.
3: Good news, good news. And listen, every single time we have you on talking about price comparisons and getting people to switch, we or 100% of the time, we will get calls in from people saying, listen to Dara, went and changed and, and saved money. So you do save, save people money. So go you. Listen, you uh, Dara, have a, have a lovely St. Patrick's weekend. Too. And uh, we'll talk again. Thanks for joining us. you're welcome good afternoon bye bye that is uh, Dara Cassidy of the uh, comparison price comparison website bonkers.ie the place to go I tell you to save money Heidi says Fisher what is this with energy companies putting up their prices 27% in electricity do people know if they look at their bills so many levies are added onto it for carbon, also investment in new energy. So many of us don't know what's added to our electricity bills. Time to start protesting, says Heidi. People did it in France. 0818 103 103. We are looking for your gardening questions. Please, Peter Dowdell will be joining us. Text or WhatsApp 0862
2: 103 103.
0: Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Consale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie.
2: This is the Court Today replay on C103.
3: As somebody said earlier, Finn right, it's a sin to be in on a day like today. That's what his mother used to always say. You need to be out and out in the garden. Peter Dowdle, the Irish Gardener.com, joins me. Good afternoon to you, Peter.
10: It reminds me of what my mother used to say to me as well, Trish. Good afternoon.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's it is. I'm I'm sitting. I can't wait to get out because I'm I'm looking out at the blue sky and it's so bright and and sunny. It really is gorgeous. So and people have days off coming up, so it's a nice time to get out in the garden if you haven't done anything in the garden yet. Let's get straight into questions. Could you ask Peter, please? Is it okay to leave the grass cuttings on the lawn? Does it actually fertilize the lawn?
10: It, you know it's a very good question and a very apt question and yes and no of course is the the, the answer so what i mean by that is it depends on how how thin the, the grass is cut if you know what i mean so you can get what's called a mulching mower which is ideal for weather like this but it's not as ideal for for wet damp wet grass so a mulching mower it kind of as it cuts the lawn you don't need to collect it because uh, it, it cuts it so that what's left behind is nearly dust. So in other words, a normal lawn mower will just cut it once, uh, but the, the mulching mower cuts it and turns it to nearly dust before it leaves the 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 lawn mower. So if you're using a mulching mower and if you're doing it regularly, um then perfect. And yes, it will fertilize the lawn. However, if you're using the regular lawn mower and there's an inch or two of grass being cut and you leave that on top of the grass, no, that won't. That will that will do damage to the lawn. Um, because you're 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 kind of smothering it. So you you realistically ninety percent of us who are using the regular mowers would need to remove the trimmings and, and into the compost bin?
3: Hi, uh, Peter. I wish to spread some sand on my garden to improve drainage. Would it be suitable to put a coarse builder's sand on the grass, or do you need special sand, thanking you?
10: Yeah, but she says the garden, I presume they mean Blown. the lawn if yeah, that's Often, yeah, you'd often spread sand on it for drainage. So, you'd normally, when we're working in the garden, we normally look for what's called washed sand, right? Which means that there's any, it's normally actually that we're, we're washing any lime content out of it. But for a lawn situation, I've never used coarse builder sand, but actually I don't think there'd be a problem using it. Just don't put it on too heavy. Uh, you just want a very, very light sprinkling so it kind of assimilates into the soil surface. Um, but no, I don't think there'd be a need to wash it in that situation because the lime content would actually probably help the grass as opposed to the opposite. So you should be okay, but just be do be careful not to put it on too heavily. There are, of course, lots of specialist sand products available for lawns. Um, But I think if you have some access to sand, if you want to spread it on, it won't do any harm. No. Uh,
3: Question for Peter from an East Cork uh, listener. Could you advise me, please? How do you kill moss on tarmac?
10: There's a product, and you know what, I meant to check, Trish, because this question, obviously, it regularly comes up, but it came up last week or the week before, and it's a product that I've used uh, last year, and it worked very, very well, and it was an Irish product, and it was an environmentally sound product, <laughs> but the, the next bit is what I'm not 100% on. What's it called? I'm fairly sure it's, it's Algon. I'm fairly sure that it's Algon, but check in your local garden center or hardware store for Algon. Check that, it, that it's the one I'm talking about, that it is Irish, and it is uh, environmentally sound. Um, I'm I'm 99 sure that's the one I used, and it, it was excellent. Yeah,
3: and then something you have to use every year. It's kind of one of those things, isn't it?
10: Well, it is because our climate is warm and damp. Moss will always come back. It's just something we're going to have to accept, if you like. So th- there is then the another Irish product, Moscow Moscow Probiotic. Uh, so that that that. That I wouldn't use that to kill off any moss. But when it is clean, if you treat the area with with Mosco probiotic, it will keep it clean for I would say up to a, up to a year, one growing season, which is as much as you can hope for in Ireland. Yeah. But uh, so if you kill it off with the algon. And then keep it clean with the Moscow probiotic.
3: OK, Mary, uh, question for Peter, please. I have a very exposed site. It's mostly lawn, but I'd like to plant annuals. But I'm finding it difficult to find suitable flower seeds that will grow to no more than six or eight in- inches and be hardy enough for the site because it's so exposed.
10: You're looking for things, I would say, like alisum. Alisum is a very low-growing one, it, one that reminds me of my childhood because it's probably one of the first little bedding plants I used to grow. It's a lovely little white flower. Now you can get pink alisum as well. Uh, Lobelia is another one, uh, an old tr- traditional kind of uh, cottage garden bedding plant and very low-growing. That'll tolerate it. Marigolds will also, should also tolerate it. Of course, if it's very windy, they may not, uh, but they would certainly stay less than six inches. Um You could look for things then like Bacopa, Snowflake. Now, they're not technically an annual or bedding plant, but you can use them as such. Uh, Bacopa would be a nice one. Uh, begonias, the fibrous begonias. Uh, without without going too far into it, Trish, there's basically two different types of begonia. You have the tuberous ones, and you have the fibrous-rooted ones. So the fibrous-rooted ones are ones that are treated as an annual here, and they should tolerate it, and they won't get any taller than, than a few inches. Uh, you could maybe try a few of the tuberous ones as well, but I'd be more more confident with the fibrous ones. But there there are there should be some out there, but it just really does require a bit of. Um, Uh, i suppose a bit of online homework just just go go on to mr google and and look for ones that will only get to to six inches and and will tolerate exposure the great thing of course about online homework if you like is this there's so much information out there you just put in what you're looking for and you'll get suggestions the downside of it is you're you have to google will just throw up answers to your query it won't check the veracity of the answers, if you like. So make sure that the answers that you're, you're or the suggestions that you're looking at are on a, a good website, such as the RHS or something like that. Yeah. A, a, you know, a, a good website that is giving you accurate information.
3: And then advice on apple trees, please. Sheila planted three apple trees last year. They all flowered, but she only got apples on one of them. Somebody has suggested that she needs to plant a cooking apple tree in order for the other two to pollinate is that correct
10: it it may be correct so it's not as straightforward as that um so with apples you need apples of different varieties to pollinate each other so it could be just that you you don't have ones that are pollinating each other it could also just be a question of time so i wouldn't be too concerned um so the fact that one fruited means that you have one suitable partnership if you like and that there is be an insect activity there to do the pollination in the first place uh, it might be that the other two are crab apples right so then they, they well they, they will fruit but in the autumn with these tiny little crabs um introducing another another apple species into the mix is probably the only way to find out what's going on it doesn't necessarily have to be a cooker though um or if if you're definite that the, the other two aren't crab apples well then maybe introduce a crab apple because crab apples are fabulous as pollinators. The fruits are beneficial to the birds and that later in the winter, of course, as well. But uh, if if you're 100% sure that the other two that aren't fruiting at the moment are not crab apples, then I would suggest maybe introducing a crab apple to see if that helps.
3: Okay, but more than anything, get out and enjoy the gardens, particularly now that the weather is picking up a bit. We've got a lovely forecast for tomorrow for St. Patrick's Day. Listen, Peter, as always, thank you for that. Uh, Enjoy your St. Patrick's weekend
10: and you enjoy it Tricia. get out and enjoy as you say enjoy the weather and enjoy the garden
3: yeah that's what it's all about thanks for that we'll talk next week thanks for joining us thanks, bye bye, bye. that right. is uh, the com. Peter uh, Dowda that's where I leave you for today with a reminder to you that there's a huge number of parades going on right across the city and uh, county so please get out and support it and good luck to everybody taking part and we hope you all have a lovely lovely uh, time I'm off for the next few days so I'll be back with you next Monday At at 10 o'clock, onto them. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. And Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon.
2: Court today on C103
0: with Sean Cusack Insurances Can Sale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie.
9: Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra.